Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 84. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we'll pick up on Romans chapter 8 and see how far we get in that. So once again, unless you're driving, please turn to Romans chapter 8. Paul's going to talk a lot here of uh, uh, differentiating living life in the flesh, you know, life for yourself, if you will, just thinking of earthly desires versus living life in the spirit. And he's going to be very repetitive here. So we're not going to read all this to you, but uh, we'll give you his general theme. Uh, at any rate, he starts out and says in verse one, hence now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I've heard some some Protestants tell me, see, there's no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. You know, and by that they think it means that you, you know, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, which we certainly think, you know, you, you must do. But uh, we say that to be in, what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? to love him, to obey him. And um, how do we obey him? Well, even Paul says that he can't. We saw in his rather long-winded uh, bunch of verses in the last chapter, seven, he says, oh, I can't do what I want to do, and I want to do what I can't do, and so forth and so on, right? So um, we, we uh, you know, we trust in God to give us the graces to deal with our uh, our uh, penchant for sin, etc. And uh, by the way, I included in the last handout, the handout for session 83, some verses that talk about salvation and, uh, you know, the kind of point against the idea, the Protestant idea, that you can claim that you're saved at a moment in time and that no matter what happens from that point on, you're, you're saved, uh, etc. And also uh, how, how it is, uh, how salvation works, excuse me, how works work their way out, work, how works play into our salvation as part of it. Okay, so I think we've beaten that up enough. Uh, take a look at the handout that is included in uh, session 84. Excuse me, where are I? 84 now. It's session 83, and you'll be fine. Okay. So the, uh, okay. Now, he goes on from verse 4 to verse, what, 13, 14. I count 10, 11 times in 10 verses where Paul talks about the Spirit. Um, so it's a very long-winded way of basically saying, don't live in the flesh, but live in the Spirit. And he's, of course, talking about the Holy Spirit, which for some of us Catholics, we might uh, consider the Holy Spirit as being kind of the Rodney Dangerfield or the red-headed stepchild of the Trinity, right? But yet the Holy Spirit is the, you know, is God, of course, and is the part of the Trinity that lives with inside us and guides us if we listen to that guidance. So he contrasts living in the flesh 
that is to say, not listening to the Holy Spirit, versus living in the Spirit. Uh, before, we've actually seen him say, you become a slave to Christ. Well, nobody likes being a slave, right? But it's the idea of turning your life over to uh, to God. And uh, try it, try it, you'll like it. At least for, for eternity, you'll like it. Okay, and how do you get this spirit? This is my question, it's not one of Paul. How do you get this spirit to work inside you? Well, uh, we would say prayer. We would say a frequent reception of the Eucharist. And I would ask you to write in your margins, John chapter 6, verse 56. Uh, he who abide, you know, he who eats my flesh abides in me. So that's the whole question, right? How, how do you, how do you be in Christ Jesus? So to frequent reception of the Eucharist, which gives us grace. Okay. So on to that. Uh, he gives us something to look forward to here. In verse 18, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. And I would underline that, that verse as a verse of encouragement. You're going to go through difficulties in your life. There is going to be disappointments. Loved ones will die. Uh, job opportunities will change. Uh, uh, friends may disappoint you, etc. All of the disappoint our, our health may fail us, but uh, all of the sufferings of this pleasant time, present time, are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed to us. Speaking, of course, of heaven. Um, you've heard me say this before, this earth is not our home. Okay. And he assures us in verse 26 um, that in the same way, the Spirit, capital S, too, comes to the aid of our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. So listen to the Spirit when you pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in your, your daily life. Now, here comes a verse that I absolutely do not want you to quote at somebody's funeral. Okay, A little bit about myself. I had two identical twin boys, my wife and I did, and they lived about two hours or so, and then they both died. They were, um, their lungs were undeveloped and they just didn't, they were, they were not miscarriages. They were live births. We had to name them, etc. They, they died. And more than a few people came up to us at the funeral or shortly thereafter. This is when I was in the Protestant world and they felt a need to share a verse with me. And, they, and the verse is the one that I'm about to read you, Romans 8.28. And they'd say, well, Jim, just remember this. We know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And they would usually truncate that verse and they'd say, we know that all things work for good for those who love God. And so that's supposed to make me feel better? No. My sons just died. I felt terrible. Okay. And plus they truncated the verse. They cut it short. Um, so if you happen to go to a funeral 
don't feel the need to quote a verse to somebody. They're in sorrow. Instead of quoting verses to them, put your arm around them, give them a hug, say, I love you and I'm sorry for your loss. And then let them be. Give them some, you know, give them some time for a week to a month, whatever, and then take them out for a cup of coffee. But they don't want to hear Bible verses at at a moment of loss like that. Um, The other sad thing is that many of them would truncate the verse. Let's look at it again. Let's read the whole verse. We know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Look at the last part of that, who are called according to his purpose. So all things work for good for those who love God, once again, who are called according to his purpose. So a bad thing can happen to you that is a bad thing, okay? Having sons be born to me and then dying, that's a bad thing, okay? But um, we recognize that God has a greater plan that is far beyond our comprehension. It may be that someone who went to the funeral that day, because there was a funeral, perhaps they uh, saw the need to confront their own mortality and get right with God. I don't know. But I do know that at my best friend John's funeral, I I had a few words to say at the wake and and whatnot. And I'm going to say maybe five or six guys that I was talking to afterwards said, you know, I didn't really consider God as being some somebody that I should have a relationship with until John was on his deathbed. And then as he was, uh, you know, as, he's, as he was uh, weakening in his last weeks, his friends would say, what a tragedy is that you're dying as such a young man. And he'd say, yeah, it, it's not what I would have chosen, but the real tragedy would have been if I had died without uh, recognizing that I needed Christ in my life. And uh, so, um, you know, he was kind of like, uh, we've just had Christmas as I'm recording this. He was kind of like Jacob Marley to his uh, his other friends, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, he's saying, don't be like I was be like I wanted to be. And, you know, John John started walking with the Lord later in life. Okay. So that's how something good can happen. If you're called according to his purpose, that doesn't mean that something, if you're living in the flesh, a, a bad thing uh, is works out to necessarily to be a good thing. But God can use anything, even human tragedy, as a way to reach others. Okay, so that's what that means. Um, so we move on in chapter 29, excuse me, verse 29 of uh, chapter 8. Here's another uh, thing that's worthy of comment. Paul says, For those he, God, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So what word in there leaped out at you? 
in that in that verse. To me, it would be the word predestined. Well, I thought we didn't believe in predestination as Catholics, right? We think that's like a Presbyterian thing, a Calvinist thing, right? Well, uh, to be clear, um, we 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 know that God, who is all knowing, uh, He knows what choices you will make. So he foreknows that. I mean, that word is in there as well. And so, but there's always a tension there, isn't there, between God's sovereignty and a human being's free will, right? He gives you free will, um, and he he wants you to love him and to follow him, but he's not going to make you because... Uh, then you'd just be a little robot. You wouldn't. You wouldn't really be a human being, and it wouldn't really be true love of God if you didn't have a choice to to love Him. Okay, so in a sense, we do believe in predestination where it is uh, of a positive nature. Where we differ from our Cal Calvinist friends is we don't believe in negative predestination where they would say um, God makes some people with the intention that they go to hell. And there's just, there's no way that they're going to work their way, or I should say, find their way uh, out, of, out of that. Okay, which to me, I'm thinking, well, okay, if I'm predestined for either heaven or hell, I, I don't think I need to try very hard because my fate's already been sealed. You know, it's like playing a football game and the score is 62 to nothing in the second quarter. Why try, right? Because either you're, you know you're going to win the game or you're on the top side of that 62 or you know you're going to lose the game. So uh, to be clear... Um, we do believe that God foreknows the choices that we're going to make. Um, but that is not the same as uh, a double predestination where he predestines, he says, I want this guy to go to heaven and that guy to, to go to hell. You know, God did not make anybody uh, for the purpose of them going to hell. And later on, we'll see, not today, We'll see some verses that will substantiate that. Okay. By the way, the Calvinistic idea of double predestination, that didn't, once again, another 15th century, uh, 16th century heresy there. And Calvin, as with Luther, missed the first three quarters of the history of Christianity with an idea like that. Okay. So and, uh, here's a verse to live by, verse 31. What shall we say to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Exactly. Uh, live live that way. You know, I mean, other people will be against you, but they're not God. It kind of speaks for itself. Um, sums up uh, in verse 38 at the end of the chapter. He says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities not present things, nor future things, not powers, not height. He goes on and on here, as Paul is wont to do. Nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And again, some of our uh, Protestant friends will say, see, this is an idea of once saved, always saved. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. To which we Catholics would say, 
We totally agree with that verse. Nothing can separate you from from the love of God in 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 Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can do that except what you. Okay. Um, no one else can tear you away from God, but you can choose to walk away from God. And that is why we as Catholics say you must persevere. Again, take a look at some of the verses that I sent along with the uh, the written portion, the handout, if you will, from session 84. And I think that will make it even more clear. Another thing that was even more clear is that we're about out of time here. So we covered chapter 8. Uh, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, we thank you for this Holy Spirit that Paul goes on and on and on about in uh, Romans 8, and help us to recognize that the Holy Spirit lives inside us and is willing to guide us, to point out the, the way that we should go, to point out ways that we can be serving, uh, to point out ways that we are failing. And um, Paul thought it important enough to talk about the spirit versus the flesh, to mention the spirit 11 times in, in 10 verses. So we, we pray that we will continually recognize the spirit. And as we recognize the spirit and call on the spirit, we will be more removed from the flesh that Paul warns us about, our own desires. And we thank you that all things, as you said in, uh, as Paul says in Romans 8, 28, that all things do work for good uh, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, God's per your purpose, God, not ours. So that is our goal here is our, the reason why we put why you put us on earth and we're so thankful for this is to be your arms and legs and bring others towards towards you so give us that strength we ask this in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen okay well, um, as always, I welcome you to email me your questions and comments at jhcatholicbible at gmail.com. And until next time, when we pick up on chapter nine, I look forward to your joining us again on Catholic Doctrine Bible Study.